the bank has the database that says who has all the money and how much money. The special thing about Bitcoin is that everybody can run and verify that database themselves. Hello there from Bedford. How you all doing? You had a good week. Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and I've got a Sunday bonus release for you. As you know, I'm going to be doing a monthly tech show with our boy Shinobi, and this week we are tackling nodes. But this is going to be a two-parter, so I've got the first part today where I just dig into all the detail about nodes, but I am in the process of setting mine up. Anyway, before we get into that, let's hear from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, today we're going to kick off with Casa, the very best in Bitcoin security, and with a great last few months of Bitcoin, I know some of you are seeing some solid gains and nine months ago, I became a Casa customer. I knew I had to get my security shit together, so I signed up as a customer. I spoke to the CEO, Nick, and I was like, come on, brother, set me up. Now, listen, Casa is important. It helps you protect yourself against your own mistakes, in-person attacks, device failure, and so much more. And with Casa, they do have a product for every Bitcoiner. So with Casa Gold, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that is only $10 a month. So make sure you check that out. With Casa Platinum, you get their 3 or 5 multi-sig. And with Casa Diamond, which I think I'm going to upgrade to soon, you get their full service offering. That comes with a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best-in-class in security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security, so find out more at keys.casa, which is K-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we have my friends sportsbet.io over in Estonia. Now, I told you before, I went to see them last was it last year? God, it might have been the year before with the lockdown, you never know. And I'm planning as soon as these lockdowns end to go over and see them again and find out more about what they're doing because Sportsbet loves Bitcoin. They do everything they can to promote Bitcoin. They've even put a Bitcoin logo on the front of a Premier League shirt. So if you're watching Southampton, you look closely. There's a Bitcoin logo there. Now with Sportsbet, you have every market you could possibly be interested in. They cover football, tennis, US sports, motorsports. They even cover esports. And for new customers, they always have a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions, which is sportsbt.io forward slash promotions. And let's also talk about my friends Exodus, the Exodus wallet. Okay, as you know, I'm increasingly running my business on Bitcoin, especially since the bank stuck their middle finger up to me and said, Pete, we're closing all of your accounts. We want to know what you're up to. We don't like this Bitcoin stuff. So they've closed all my bank accounts. So I'm having to change things a bit. I'm having to increasingly, increasingly, double increasingly run my show on Bitcoin. And so what happens at the end of each month, I have to do all my audits. I have to look at who I've paid, who I'm paying. I have to feed this back to my accountant. I still have to do that stuff. And I needed a wallet that would work for me. Actually, I really needed a good desktop wallet. So when Exodus reached out, they're like, Pete, check out our wallet. And I was like, do you know what? I like your wallet. So I agreed to have them as a sponsor and I've agreed to start using their wallet to do my monthly audits. And do you know what's pretty damn cool? The UX absolutely crushes it. Now, if you want to find out more, if you do want to check them out, head over to exodus.com or search for Exodus in the Google or Apple app stores. That is E-X-O-D-U-S. Okay, on to the show. And we've got my boy Shinobi back for another tech update. And today we're looking at nodes an ongoing issue for me and an ongoing thing people have been telling me that I should have been doing a long time ago. Now, I have previously set up about four nodes and sometimes I've struggled with like, why should I do this? Why is this important? Sometimes I've struggled with the tech. But you know what? Especially with what's happened with my bank, I know I really need to become full self-sovereign and be running my own node. So, I'm sorry about the shitstorm before, but I know I'm not alone. I speak to a lot of Bitcoiners. Others talk to me and say, look, I struggle with this, Pete. I don't know how to set up a Raspberry Pi. But as people keep saying to me, how can you call yourself a Bitcoin and not run a node? And how can you promote Bitcoin without running a node? And listen, I get the importance of this. So I'm back on the node train. I want to get it sorted. Now, I had been trying to do this with a Raspberry Pi with Get Umbral. So you know Umbral. Get Umbral. I think it's getumbral.com. You have to check that out. But I struggled with that, and I think that's down to the hardware, not because of the great work that Umbral have done. So I've decided to take another go at this. But before getting into it, I asked Shinobi to come on and go through the importance of running a node with me. But this is going to be a two-parter. So in this first part, Shinobi runs me through the reasons to run a node, 
and sets me some homework to get off and get it started. So my node is now synced. What I've got to do is do the setup with Tor, and I've got to integrate Spectre and Cold Card. It's a bit intimidating, but I'm going to get through this. And then I'm going to record a part two with Shinobi, talking about what I went through in my experience. Anyway, listen, I hope you enjoy this. If you've got any questions, you know you can reach out to me. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Also, go and check out defiance.news. We've got the latest trailer for our new upcoming series called Everyone Loves Britney. And I know you're probably thinking, what the hell does a Bitcoiner care about Britney Spears for? Well, that's actually the story is about conservatorship. It's a really weird story. So go and check that out. That's at defiance.news. And don't forget to sign up to my newsletter. That's your daily dose of tech, Bitcoin, macro, some little international stuff. That's at neveredit.com. Outside of that, have a great rest of your weekend, and I'll see you all next week. Shinobi, man, how are you? I am buried in snow. <laughs> buried in snow. You've given that, that's some obstacle away. Right, where's there snow? A little bit of obstacle. Eh, everybody knows the city I'm in. I fucked up that bad early on. Yeah, you told me that a while ago. I'm not going to reveal it again now anyway. But listen, man. Um, so we decided to do these monthly tech shows. And the last one went down really well. Really well. Uh, I must have had at least 10, maybe 15 emails from people writing in and just saying, that was cool. I didn't know that. What do I do? Like, I, Especially on the idea of you know, UTXOs, that if you were doing a regular buy of $50, you know, $100, a week or month and keep sending that to yourself uh that you end up with all these uh separate utxos which you know isn't a great thing and you know that one piece of advice um was something a lot of people brought up and it affected my thinking as well so that's pretty cool man yeah i'm kind of really surprised how many dms i was getting like thank you for breaking that down like that and like asking for more advice about how to handle different situations or what have you. And yeah, I'm glad that that actually got people thinking about that. Well, I think the, uh, the couple of years of me fighting the tech and now coming at it now and trying to learn it in these basic steps, I, I think that's going to be a good way to do, do things because, um, you know, we were talking just before we started about me losing my bank account and it's been a real eye opener this last couple of days of realizing, right, I can't get a business account. My personal accounts are now being closed down. If I go to other places, I'm going to have the same problem. Um, I'm actually in that situation where I don't just want Bitcoin as a speculative asset or to do some cool things with it. I kind of need it now. And now that I need it, it's like all these, those other warnings that people like you give me about privacy, you know, about those kind of things, that it's becoming more obvious. I, it's almost like some, of, some people do this stuff preemptively, right, and realize... Like, I'm doing a lot of this reactively. I'm going through the experiences and learning about it. Um, so I think this uh, I think this has kind of worked out in, in the right way for us to approach these topics. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... I mean, that's why people like me scream things at people like you all the time. Because it's like, eventually, people in this space are not going to be here because they're playing around. Like a lot of people are just going to get pushed here because they have to be here. And once wow. you put something yeah. on the blockchain, you can't walk that back. Like you, you can't undo mistakes entirely every time. And so it's like, yeah, you, you really do have to. And I, I really kind of appreciate your side of this a lot more over the last couple of months doing this. You, you really do have to get this stuff into people's heads but you have to really think about like, well, what's the best way to get it into the head of the newbie? Like me ranting about the, the technicals of a protocol for two hours, like 90% of that's going to filter out of people's heads the instant I'm done talking. Yeah. Yeah, but look, dude, if people take one thing from one of these, each of these things, you know, like if they think about UTXOs and they think, right, you know what? I now understand UTXOs. I now understand that you know there's a downside to having uh, lots of different UTXOs. Uh, well, maybe I need to have a be able to use a wallet where I can actually manage my UTXOs. Okay, and then they start, you know, step by step, they start doing these things. I think a bit like it was with me when you throw it all at you, it's a bit overwhelming. You're like, 
shit, I need to understand UTXOs. Why, which wallet do I need for that? Right, I need Electrum. But I do I need to be using Tor? Tor or I need Tor and I need a note. And like, it's too much. But these little baby steps are really helpful. And another thing is it's like, there are a range of people listening. Like There are people who, like me, just you know, find it quite difficult. And there are other people also, <laughs> I say again, a little bit like me, sometimes can't see the benefit or just can't be fucked, right? And they, they just can't be bothered with it. But like... I'm I'm starting to get it now, a little bit late, but I am starting to get it now, and I'm starting to make the effort. So I appreciate you giving me the time. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a big one today. We're gonna talk about nodes, an oh. ongoing problem. My my fucking nemesis, dude. <laughs> 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 right, let's do. I'm gonna do the backstory to the node thing, um, and then we're gonna get into it. So, like, I was obviously aware of nodes. I was kind of aware of them originally when UASF happened. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. I should probably learn a bit about this. And I was like, huh, I don't get this. And then for a long time, I kind of avoided it. I was like, well, my hardware wallet works, right? I get my Bitcoin. I can send my Bitcoin. It works. Why do I, why do I need a node? And then when I tried to look at it, I was like, hold on, but is my node my wallet? Or is, is my node my node and I connect it to a wallet? But but there's a wallet in this node. So I put it out there on Twitter. I said, look, cards on the table. I don't run a node. I don't get it. I'm confused by it. Like, is it a wallet? Someone explained it to me. And then there was a fucking shitstorm off of it. Like the XPub one. It was a shitstorm. Um, and then since then, so what I did do, I did download Bitcoin Core. And what I used to do is just like send Bitcoin to Bitcoin. And I didn't do this every time, but I'd send Bitcoin to Bitcoin Core and then I would send it to my other wallet. Um and then I've gone through this process of trying to set a node up now, and I haven't, I haven't found it easy. So we're going to record this one in two parts. We're going to do an intro, and we're going to try and get my node set up, and then we're going to talk about it afterwards. How does all that sound? Anything you want to add to that? Well, I mean, it's kind of like, is your debit card your actual wallet, or is that just a thing that tells the bank to change their database? You know what I mean? And yeah, um, yeah as, as far as the show structure, I am probably going to wrestle with you a little bit here in generalizing beyond the actual software you're going to play with. But um, yeah, well, definitely a lot to get into. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to, and you know, more than ever right now, you know, keeping it simple is important because towards the end of the bear market, most of the people listening were the same people listening at the start of the bear market. Maybe I've got a few more people, but like these are hardened Bitcoiners, uh, or more hard, hardened Bitcoiners, I should say. But um, my show numbers have essentially trebled in the last three months. Obviously, there's a lot of new people coming in. There's going to be people listening to this who haven't got a scooby about some of the things we're talking about. Some of them will. Uh, some of them won't care. Some won't listen because the show title doesn't have $50,000 in it or $500,000 in it. But at the same time, <laughs> there will be some new there will be some new people listening. So we're gonna go absolutely basic. The most basic start we can possibly go, Shinobi man. Just explain what a node is for somebody listening who doesn't know. Well, I mean, in the simplest terms, um, like think back to a debit card and how that works. Like that debit card isn't your actual money. It's just a thing that pings the bank and goes, hey take money out of Peter's account and put it into Shinobi's account. So the key thing there is the bank has the database that says who has all the money and how much money. The special thing about Bitcoin is that everybody can run and verify that database themselves. So in the absolute simplest terms, like that's what your note is. That's your copy that you keep yourself of the bank database so you can double check that there's no funny business going on. Right. So what we're saying here is that if you have a node, if you run a node, you have a full copy of the ledger. So people understand that Bitcoin has a ledger, there is a blockchain. You essentially have a full copy of that. Therefore, any transaction, like if I send you Bitcoin or you send me Bitcoin, we can both validate that because we have a copy of the blockchain mm -hmm. we can we can validate that you actually said give me the money we can validate when that happened that it was authorized we can validate that 
you didn't pull a funny business and just invent money out of thin air that you actually didn't have. Like you, you can just check everything. And your node is the thing that you can go look to make sure there's no funny business that's yours. Like you're not trusting the bank to run that for you. You're not trusting the Google cloud. Like that's on your computer under your control. And if I wasn't running a node, what's the kind of funny business that you could do to screw with me? Like what is the downside? Well, I mean, that gets into a complicated territory because in theory, a lot of things, in practice, those things become very expensive. But, you know, I could um, lie to you if I'm running the node that you're using. Um, I could go scheme with, say, a miner, and we're going to take this block a valid block that you mine that says I'm giving Peter money. But in reality, that block only gets sent to me to show to you. And then you go, okay, and give me whatever I'm buying from you. But that miner never sends that anywhere else. And they go mine a different block where, hey, that money actually never wound up by you is like one of the, the most basic kind of things that could happen. And kind of the, if you're not running a node, you're kind of counting on that enough people are running a node, um, are paying attention to all this stuff, that no one's going to get away with funny business. But if no one's running a node, then that's, it, it's, it's a weird spectrum where if, lots and lots of people are running the nodes, validating all the things, then the odds funny business can happen are slim to none. And it costs a lot of money. But if nobody is, then whoever that guy that is, he's in a really big position to kind of just lie to people and collude with anyone who can cause funny business. You know what I mean? Right. So really, would you say, <laughs> tell me if this is a good analogy. You know when there's like an election on and people say, I'm not going to vote because my vote doesn't make a difference, but enough people voting, there are enough people voting to ensure like there's an election result. Is it similar here? Like me on my own, like my one node doesn't make a huge difference, but what it does without, like I'm part of this community effort to keep the network well, honest, we need think, think about it this way. It's, it's okay. not about your node making a difference. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, touch a third rail here real quick and then take my hand off. But it's more like imagine an election. You 100% know what happened. No funny business. Like to look back at 2020 in America last year, mm -hmm. none of that is possible because I checked everything. You know what I mean? And it's not so much about... Um, at the heart of it, like helping things or, or making things better for people who aren't running a node, it's I'm running a node. I know there's no funny business. I'm just thinking about me and what I can be 100% positive about. Okay, so let me push the, the real question I had for myself for a long time. Um, I had a wallet, like my first wallet I ever bought was a Ledger. Um, I have a cold card. I also have a Trezor. So I have all three now, right? But every single time previously to consider a node, I would always uh, uh, use my hardware wallet. And obviously I'm using um, their node. And I kept thinking, well, every single transaction I've sent has been fine. Everyone I've received is fine. What is the actual risk to me carrying on with just this hardware wallet? Like, why do I need to take this extra step of having a node? Like, for me personally, on a selfish reason, forget helping the network out. Why should I make that step? Well, what's going on with everybody's money is the most important thing to be sure this is working right. And honestly, just again, I'm going to touch the third rail again. Look back to America in 2020. Because there was no node for that. There was no, I can be 100% sure. 
And only those select people that we all just have to trust were actually in a position to verify things. And just look at how insane that got as that trust just eroded completely because people could not like for themselves a hundred percent verify what happened. Now we're talking about money and there is that way you can 100% verify what happened. So it's like, you know, do we want to take the risk with this whole system that we wind up in that kind of situation because nobody's verifying anything? But like, if I know that Shinobi's doing it, and Rodolfo's doing it, and Pierre's doing it, Matt O'Dell's doing it, if I know, like I myself know you're all doing it, am I therefore, am I even from a, coming from a weird luxury position because I know a bunch of people and I can trust it? I need to consider, put myself in the mindset. Well, I mean, what if, what if 10 years from now I dumped all my Bitcoin in the next market cycle because I'm an idiot and I'm broke and like, hey, I'm going to grift and scam and lie. What, what can I do to make money? I'm broke. Like you, you might trust me now, but ten years from now, like you see what yeah. I mean? Like th- this is going to grow so big if this actually works that it's not going to work if everybody isn't verifying anything because it's that every everybody can just start abusing things. Everybody's incentives get misaligned. They become the special people that everybody else just has to trust when they say everything's going fine. Like, that's not a stable system in my mind. Yeah, it feels like the incentive is a bit more on the support in the network, and I should support it because I've got skin in the game. I hold Bitcoin. I I want to be one of the people that ensures the network is honest, that ensures the network is working. It does feel more that than the risk of individual transactions scamming me. Well, I mean, this is kind of the, the thing, though. Like, you make that assumption. And then what happens when it's wrong? What happens when, you know, not even just you are targeted, like some rich dude who's throwing billions of dollars around on the Bitcoin network is targeted and you just get caught up in that. True. You're you're just the casualty because your transaction happened to be in the block that rich guy's transaction was in. Yeah, I see. I see. I mean, I'm bored in, right? I get it. So the next thing I always struggled with, like I'm going to bring out all my embarrassing questions, but like how do you explain to somebody, you've explained what a node is, but really if you've explained what it does, if somebody themselves like says, right, okay, I'm in, I want to have a node, like what actually is it? Like what are they creating? Because there there seems so many options because when I first got in, some people are like, well, you need to get a Raspberry Pi and then other people are like, oh, you just download Bitcoin Core. So functionally, explain, explain what a node is. It's literally just a program that maintains that database of everything that's happened on the network. Okay. It, it will take, like when, when you go send your Bitcoin transaction, what you're doing is sending it to a node that goes, okay, somebody wants to do this, and it sends that to all the other nodes, and then eventually a miner puts it in a block. And the same thing, people pass that block around and then all the nodes validate everything. This block is okay. It's proof of work is valid. Everything inside the block is valid. And then they add that to the bank database. And so it's literally just this program that does this. And now a really important part, especially for new people, um, I want to drive home as far as all the options and different ways you can run a node. That is really important to think about who you're trusting. Like if you just download Bitcoin Core and you just download some other wallet and hook it up to Bitcoin Core, all you're trusting is the Bitcoin Core developers and the developers of that wallet. But then, you know, you're playing around, you're trying to with things like Umbral, which is like a whole operating system. You just plug into the Raspberry Pi and it does all the node stuff for you. You're not only trusting the Bitcoin Core developers, you're trusting the Umbral developers. You're trusting the developers of any other wallet or software that Umbral adds on top of Bitcoin Core. And so 
you know, you kind of look at just the, the attached things yourself and have a lot of problems with that. A lot of non-technical people do. That might be more technically challenging for them. But you trust way fewer groups of people. Mm. And on the flip side, things like Umbral might be very easy. You literally just push it in and hit the button. But there's a requirement to trust a larger group of people and projects that, you know, this does what it says it does. And there's nothing funny going on here. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I mean, I was at a conference, I think it was Tone Vey's conference, and somebody said, well, you 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 need to, rev- this is why it's important the code is open source so you can review it. And I was like, <laughs> you think I'm going to review the code and I'm going to know what's going on there? Um so you you are talking about multiple layers of things I need to trust. Um, the only reason I went with Umbra is because so many people I do already trust had already rated it. I mean, are there? I guess I would ask: are are there places that you can find out if the code has been reviewed and checked, and like pe- like people like you have reviewed it and checked it, or you know, techies and said, "Yeah, this is fine. There's nothing, no funny business here." Um. I am completely blanking on the name of it, but um, a former wallet developer maintains kind of a website of like how audited and um, like verifiable the code versus what people download is. Um, I'm completely blanking on the name right now. Well, listen, but um, yeah, there there is at least that one project. Well, if we, I'll try and dig it out after the show. We stick it in the show notes so people know. Okay, so listen, and and. I was looking on the Castle website because I had one of their nodes at one point. I played around with that, that for a while. Um, but I was looking at their reasons for running a node and they said making the Bitcoin network more robust. Um, I think that's an important thing to talk about here because whilst um, you know we're talking about you download a copy of the ledger, um, we should probably also mention what else the node does when it accepts blocks. The way the way it keeps the network honest. Do you want to talk about consensus and what happens here? Yeah, so that's pretty much just the rules of what's allowed. Um, first and foremost, obviously, mining. the The whole thing is you have to burn energy to find this hash with so many leading zeros. So if a block comes in that doesn't have enough of those, the node immediately ignores it. Like this is. I don't even have to look inside this block, like poof, get out of here. And then, you know, the deeper side of that, like actually if that passes, that's valid. And then your node starts looking at the contents of the block. Like those kinds of consensus rules are like just what is allowed and what is not allowed. Like me taking a coin that I have the private key to and signing that transaction, that's allowed. But me taking that coin and not having a valid signature for the right key, that's not allowed. If, if there's a transaction like that in the block, nope, get that block out of here, it's invalid. And there's also like, you know, more complicated things like um, time locks. Like, you know, I can lock a coin so that I can't move it until a year has passed. So any coin locked like that that's trying to move too early, nope, not allowed. Get that block out of here. And like just at the simplest, simplest level, that's what the consensus rules are. It's just like what is allowed and what is not allowed in terms of moving money around. So what stops somebody creating a rogue node which bends a couple of those rules? What would happen in that scenario? Well, um... I spin up my node. Um, I say that stuff that is allowed is not allowed anymore. And when somebody does that, my node says that block is invalid. No one will ever give it a block ever again that's valid because I'm the only one who did this stupid thing. And that node will just stay frozen at that block forever while the rest of the network keeps marching on. And it just won't matter because it's one goofball who changed their own code and nobody else cares. Like we, we just kept going on. So you, essentially everyone has to keep to the same rules and anyone who tries to break them is almost ejected from the network. Exactly. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, the next thing Carlson talks about is protecting your investment in Bitcoin, but we've covered that. The last thing they talk about is strongest privacy available. Now, we talked a bit about privacy in last uh, month's show when we talked about UTXOs. Why does running a node you know, improve your privacy? Well, here's the other side of that privacy issue. Like last episode, we were only kind of talking about what everybody can see on the blockchain. But in order to know you actually have money on the blockchain, you have to go to somebody with a copy of the blockchain and go, hey, does my money exist? And if you aren't running that yourself, if you're not checking your own node, then you're pretty much going to the internet, telling somebody your IP address and going, hey, these are all the Bitcoins this IP address owns or somebody on this IP address owns. And that you don't have to put anything on chain or screw up anything privacy-wise managing UTXOs on chain to do this. Like you, you just, I need to know if my money exists. So you go tell this guy about your money mm-hmm. and he tells you whether it exists or not. And so now that guy knows all of this money belongs to some person and they'll have something like an IP address. Like, and like now those you, two things are tied together. Like when you go to a block explorer, say you're waiting for an incoming transaction, you go to the block explorer and exactly. put it in. This saves you, which I've probably done a whole bunch of times. Um, that's really interesting. Okay. that That is probably one of the most common ways people screw up their privacy in this space without even realizing it. They just go to a block explorer and put their own addresses in there. And especially... If anybody were to be tracking and collecting this type of information, like they'll be able to see patterns like, oh, this guy is only interested in these coins that are tied together on chain. He's never just looking at random stuff. And so if somebody wanted to, block explorers could build massive like metadata databases about who could own what. Like how much different people, like you could just data mine Bitcoin users um, if they really wanted to. Right. Okay. I, do you know what? It's like in my head, I'm already thinking of a show we're going to have to do in the future. It's almost like Pete starts again and we rebuild my entire privacy model from from scratch. Um, we're definitely <laughs> going to have to look at that. All right. So a couple of questions I've got, just uh, technical ones. Are, are miners also nodes? No. Um, the just people just running the actual mining hardware does not mean they're a node, but you do require a node in order to run that hardware and actually be making blocks that could be accepted as valid. Which makes sense. Next up, I talked to Shinobi more about nodes, but before that, I've got a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, BlockFi. Now, I've been telling you for a while. Um, I think it was just before Christmas, they announced the launch of their Visa Rewards credit card. That's going to be coming early this year. Very, very excited about that. Well, they have just announced that the public waitlist is open. So anyone, regardless of whether they're a BlockFi customer or not, is now eligible to join the waiting list. I'm very excited about this card. I'm very excited about the idea that on all my card purchases that I can stack sats. Very cool way of stacking sats, Right. Card users will be able to earn a market lead in 1.5% rewards rate on all their purchases. If you're not registered, go register. Go and find out more. If you are interested in checking BlockFi out as well, they do offer interest accounts and they do offer loans against your Bitcoin. I do recommend you do your own research and then head over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Also, let's talk about my newest sponsor, Ledger. Now, Ledger was the very first hardware wallet I ever used. I bought a Nano about four years ago, and I'm still using that same device now. Amazing, really. Now, the reason I always liked my Ledger device is that it was always so easy to use, not just the device itself, but the app. Firstly, we had the app in the browser. Now they've upgraded to Ledger Live. It's just so easy to use. And that's a really important first step for some people who wanted to get into hardware wallets is just having that ease of use. And also, with the Ledger Nano S you can now connect that to your Android phone so you can manage your Bitcoin on the go, which is very cool. Now, if you want to find out more about this, head over to ledger.com. That is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Lastly today, 
It's never least. It's my friends over at Kraken. My favorite place for buying and selling Bitcoin and the only place I use for buying and selling Bitcoin. Kraken is consistently rated the best and most secure crypto exchange. And as you know, security is really important to me. They also have amazing customer service. So if you've got an issue, whatever it is, whoever you are, wherever you are, if you reach out to Kraken, they're going to get that fixed for you. And whatever your level of experience, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. Just head over to Kraken.com to register. And also, they have a beautiful mobile first app, so you can buy Bitcoin on the go. They've also got margin trading, futures, and an OTC desk. So Kraken has every trading option possible for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at Kraken.com or download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. So I think it might be useful just to have a little case study just to tell people the importance of nodes and talk about what happened with UASF. So just as a reminder for anyone listening who doesn't know, because again, some people might be new, but uh, four years ago, well, I mean, the whole thing started way before then, but let's say four years ago, the the peak of the block wars, of the block size wars, um, we had a situation whereby uh, a group of people wanted to fork Bitcoin and increase the block size, and a group of another group of people didn't agree with that. Do you want to talk about what happened in terms of the simplest version of that story you can tell and why the nodes are important? So, you know, like, like you said earlier, like the, the key thing that makes Bitcoin work is everybody's running their own node, but we're all using the same rules. So for everybody running a node, a block that is invalid to one node should be invalid to every other node. And the same thing with a valid block. Like if one node says this block is valid, this should be accepted as valid by every other node. And the whole kind of simplest explanation without trying to make good guys and bad guys out of it is that, you know, this group of people wanted to run different rules where something that everyone else's node could come in and everyone else would say is invalid, but to them it would be valid. And so when you really start to think about that dynamic and what happens if that does split like that, then really why does that split stay like that? Because somebody who is doing economic activity is picking one version of a node or another and only considering themselves validly paid for an economic interaction if that node says they are. And so it's it's kind of the, like, think about it, like every economic interaction is money goes one way and then a good or service or whatever goes the other way. So... Your node is the thing that tells you, yes, the money came your way, so give the person the good or the service or whatever. And so whatever node an economic actor is looking at to decide I got paid, give them what they paid for, like that is what kind of gives that blockchain value. You know what I mean? And like... Mm -hmm. That's the whole core of it. I will not give you a good or service unless my node says I got paid for it. And so that whole dynamic is like, this is the important part here. Nodes and what they say are valid or not are the most important thing when you're actually engaging in commerce with Bitcoin. Like that's, that's it. That is the law. And that law can vary depending on who you're interacting with. Like as far as the Bitcoin network we're on, it won't because we're all on the same network, but it could. And so pretty much what happened there was most of the economic activity on the network was kind of just like, no, we are not going to change our rules to let blocks be bigger. Um, And they won. Because it was just more economic activity, 
more people who were willing to go. If I get money sent to me in one of these big invalid blocks, no, I'm sorry, I didn't get paid. I'm not giving you your thing. Interesting. So when there are changes, um, <clears throat> I'm going to go off a tangent here. I was talking to somebody about Taproot activation today. Um, and I remember uh, pre, <laughs> yeah, I know, spicy subject at the moment. Um, but previously, um, I've heard about minor, minor signaling. And that generally speaking, what, how, what is it? What percentage of miners do you really need to be signaling to have a change to the rules? Well, um, previously, 95% was used, but I think at, at least most of the, the proposals for Taproot are like 85 or 90%, depending on whose proposal you're talking about. So the miners create the blocks, the nodes validate them. I hope I'm right so far. Um, mm -hmm. And if there's a change to the cons a proposed change to the rules, uh, you need a certain amount of miners to signal they're going to create these new types of blocks. But you also need the nodes to accept them. So you kind of need both. Well, um, no, actually, no. Um, no, that's incorrect. And he he here's the thing I think that is one of the most misunderstood things about upgrading Bitcoin. You do not need miners signaling. You don't. Like you, that you just is need not miners creating the blocks. a requirement. No, you don't even need that at first. But okay. like the miner signaling is not a vote. It's not a needed thing. It's a thing that is mostly about convenience and safety. Okay. Because like I said, everybody has to be enforcing the same rules. And everybody if we're going to change them, needs to change them at the same time. And it's kind of just been a convenience and a safety factor that we use miner signaling um, to know that this many miners are claiming, at least, that they are enforcing these rules and they will not make blocks that validate them. Um, that way, everybody who wants to upgrade right away can upgrade and it's, um, it's safer for people to take their time upgrading because we've kind of established if we trust nobody's lying here, most miners won't do anything funny. And so people can take their time and it'll be safe. Right. But you can also do the exact opposite where if everybody is certain that we're all going to turn the rules on at the same time, we can just do it. And we don't need the miners to signal or do it first. And if miners start breaking those rules on accident or on purpose or whatever, then everybody else just says that's an invalid block. And that miner doesn't get paid for that block. And so they would just have to catch up. Right. So there is a small, and we'll cover that. We'll, I think we'll cover hard forks and soft forks another time. But I guess there is a risk without signaling that some miners split off and, and create a hard fork. Yes, that's that's possible, but likely worthless though. Without getting without getting too deep into it, um, for that to happen in a soft fork, um, somebody would actually have to make a UTXO on chain that used the new rules, and then somebody would have to spend that breaking those new rules and actually get put in a block for like a, a split to happen with a soft fork. So like, it, somebody would actually have to actively do something on chain. To trigger that split. I see, I see. Well, listen, we'll, we will cover hard forks and soft forks in another show. Uh, but generally speaking, what I'm taking from this is that the nodes are what keep the network honest. And it's really important uh, that I run a node, so I'm part of that because I want to protect my investment. Um, but also, you know, it's funny, we talk about the last show, the UTXOs, the one thing I took from that that was really important was uh, not buying lots of small amounts and uh, transferring them to a wallet because of, uh, because I don't want to have uh, too many UTXOs in my wallet for small amounts. Um, the one thing I've taken from this, like actually a great reason for having a node is that ability just to, if somebody sent me some Bitcoin, to query the blockchain rather than querying via the, a block explorer for privacy. Let me ask you something. When I go to a block explorer, it gives me a number of confirmations. Can I see the same querying if I query the blockchain itself? And is it relatively easy to query the blockchain via my node, 
Or do I need some kind of coding skills? Do I need to know some command line? Well, um, your wallet, if you hook a wallet up to the node or use the the wallet that comes with Bitcoin Core, would just do that for anything involving your wallet automatically. Um, to really have like a, a block explorer like you you use on the internet, you, you would pretty much have to get other software and then hook that up on top of the node. Okay. Like um, that's not like a standard thing built into it. Do we know how many nodes there are? Um, well, if we're talking like different ways to run them, um, obviously you can just download Bitcoin Core. Um, there's Umbral. Um, no, I mean, how many, th- how many are actual nodes being run, not types? Oh, oh. <laughs> Space Cadet. Um, well, we know how many nodes publicly advertise themselves. Um, so, like, who will actually just shout out to the internet, like, hey, I'm a Bitcoin node. If you're a Bitcoin node, you can connect to me. But um, that's not something that every node is doing. So, to some degree, we, we, we can't really know. Like, we, we can know how many of those public advertised nodes there are. But as far as how many are just private and not advertising themselves like that, um, there's no real kind of accurate way to figure that out because they're just kind of quietly sitting there doing that and not telling anyone. Right. Um, I think I'm just going to hold off on lightning nodes for now. I think... Um Focusing on the baseline, uh, baseline block, the base blockchain is is enough for now. Um, I might ask a couple of questions about mm-hmm. lightning nodes towards the end, but to be honest, a first step for someone to just create um, a blockchain, uh, sorry, to create a node for the um, base blockchain, I think would be a good start. Um, okay, do you think that everybody should be trying to run a node? Um, well, not literally. Everybody, but kind of cheekily put, um, if you are holding your own keys and have more than silly pocket change um, or regularly receiving Bitcoin, um, yes, I think you should. But like, if, if you just have that $5 somebody gave you that's sitting on your phone or you're just sitting on Coinbase and have never touched your own keys, then you're kind of putting the the cart before the horse. You know what I mean? Right, I see, I see. So if you're somebody who's maybe bought $50 here, $50 there, perhaps probably not yet, but if you're somebody who's maybe been through a cycle, invested a lot of their personal income, you know, got a serious percentage of their wealth, you really need to be doing this or looking at it, at least considering it and trying to do it. Mm-hmm, 100%. Are there any risks of running a node? Well, in the Western world, um, aside from maybe wasting bandwidth or hard drive space, or um, if memes really get out of control, maybe uh, getting your node DDoSed or something, um, not really. But, You know, let's say you're in a very totalitarian country that goes Bitcoin is illegal one day. Um, Then, yeah, having a node on your network that's publicly visible on the Internet, um, that could become a dangerous or a risky thing to do in in that type of environment. But if you're in a, a safe, you know, happy country, you don't have to worry about stuff like that, then no, it's like just figure out your bandwidth if you have metered bandwidth. <laughs> All right, look, we know I've tried with Umbro and I've had some issues, which we're going to get into. If somebody's listened to this, Zenobi, and they're like, okay, I'm on board. I want to create a node. Like, where where would you say start? Like, what's a good, easy starting place for a node? Should they just start with Bitcoin Core on their laptop? Should they buy a should they get a spare cheap laptop and use that? Where would you recommend someone to start with for their first node? Honestly, um, there's no one-size-fits-all answer for that. But I would say if you at all feel capable of following a tutorial or something, I would say just try at least. 
before you start looking at all these plug and play nodes to just like go find a tutorial and download Bitcoin Core and then just find a wallet that you can hook up to that so you can use your hardware devices and stuff. Um, and just try that first before you do anything else because that's really how to do that with as little trust placed in different groups of people as possible. Okay. So this is an interesting thing. So when I first downloaded a node, and people said, oh, just connect it up to your wallet. I made this assumption, oh, I can just connect it to my hardware wallet. But that's not strictly true. I know, for example, I'm not sure what happens with Trezor. I know a little bit more about Ledger, that it's coming, and coin control is coming from, with them. I know you can do it with a cold card, but I've not gone through the process of trying. What I realize is that not all wallets can connect to a node, right? No. Like, especially, um, although this is kind of starting to change, but especially um, mobile wallets or like anything on your phone, um, a lot of them just nope, um, not happening. And, but it, it is kind of becoming a thing more nowadays where mobile devices are trying to set that up so you can just do the like scan a QR code thing and just hook up. But, there's still like most of the mobile wallets out there. There's no real easy way to do that. Right. So if somebody was previously using a hardware wallet um, and they set up and downloaded a node and then they read up something like, for example, Spectre Wallet. That's what I hear a lot about at the moment. That's a really good wallet. I've heard that connects up. Um, Spectre Wallet is a de desktop wallet, right? Mm-hmm. So... Just in my logical brain, I'm like, okay, I can download Spectral Wallet, connect it to my node, validate my transactions. But in my head, that desktop wallet is connected to my computer, which feels like, um, like there's a live internet connection to my coins. Whereas if I've got my hardware wallet, I feel like I've got that kind of like separation between the internet and my um, coins. Does that make sense? Like as a psychological barrier that I, I struggle with? Mm-hmm. So that's that's absolutely how it should be. Like I, I want to kind of just reiterate the debit card and the relation to the bank database. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's that should always be how you're handling things if you have any significant amount of money that you're custodying yourself. So in that scenario, what am I meant to do? Am I meant to set up my node with Spectre? Say I'm like Shinobi, send me some Bitcoin, you send me some Bitcoin, my node validates it, it appears in Spectre. Should I then be moving it to a hardware wallet after that? So I've essentially got the two transactions, or should I be? Is the only well, way to do Spectre? It? Spectre actually has um, hardware wallet support, so right. like that's you know I, I actually kind of want to push you to to play with that specifically because that okay. is a very simple um, thing. It's literally just bolt that on core. And then whatever hardware wallet you want to use that can talk to Spectre. And that's that's a real nice, simple interface in terms of low trust. You're, you're not trusting a million projects that got put on the Raspberry Pi. Um, not that difficult to play with. And it's just right out of the box. People can plug their hardware wallet into it. So they don't even have to have that interim step of like send to that and then somewhere else. Okay, because this is where I had one of my huh moments because I feel like, okay, so I need Bitcoin Core, which has a wallet, and then need Spectre, which has a wallet, and then I need to use my hardware wallet, which also has a wallet. So I've got these three wallets, but th also three different bits of kit doing something different, when really the only wallet I need to focus on is the hardware wallet, but I'm navigating the hardware wallet from Spectre. Is that correct? But Spectre's connected to mm -hmm. my node. I mean, here's what I would say, um, just conceptually. Like, when, when you think about stacks of stuff like this, um, like, Core has a wallet, but the reason that doesn't work with hardware wallets is this: there's so many of them. They change all the time. And, like, you, you can't just make it the Bitcoin Core developer's problem that, all of these devices are constantly changing and they have to work to, you know what I mean? Mm. So that's just the node. Like you can ignore Core's wallet. Okay. And then Spectre on top of that is the actual wallet you're using. 
and then your hardware device, like, I, I really think people shouldn't conceptualize that as a wallet. That's more like the keychain or the signing device. Like, that's set up this way. That's all that's really doing. Okay. Okay. So, I've got some more questions because I went through my experience. Okay. If I connect my node to my wallet, how do I actually know it's validated? So, for example, I've connected my node to my wallet. I've set it up how I meant to set it up. I'll go through the instructions after this and do it. Shinobi sends me some Bitcoin. It appears in my Spectre wallet. How do I actually know that that's actually been validated on the blockchain? Does, does, the, does Spectre say validated? Does it give me, does it ping? Does it do something to indicate it's validated that? Yeah. So Spectre, pretty much when you hook it up to Bitcoin Core, um, what it does is it will take your public keys and actually import those into the Core wallet. So it, it's actually kind of ironically using Core's wallet under the hood, just not letting private keys touch it. And then Bitcoin Core tracks your balances. And when Spectre hooks up to it, it'll, it's just pinging back and forth with the node. Like, hey, did anything change with the money? And if it did, Spectre will show that to you. But, but I can use Spectre without, without connecting it to Bitcoin Core, right? Um, actually, I don't think so. Um, I know they're, I think they're planning on some kind of mode in the future where you could run it without Bitcoin Core, but right now um, you, you have to have Core to use the wallet. But there are some wallets out there which you can use with or without uh, connecting to a node, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with, with those, know, I think like, um, with, with those, how do you know? That uh, and do, will you ever know that an incoming transaction has actually been validated by the node? Well, I mean, if you've hooked it up and it's working properly, yeah. But I mean, aside from that, like that's kind of wandering down the territory. Like, do you know your computer's doing anything properly True. unless you decompile everything and tear the chips apart? I know, just in Pete's little one, I'm like, I, I, I kind of want next to each transaction to say node validated. Because I'd be like, well, what happens if my node disconnects from my wallet? How would I even know that's, would I know that's happened? Yeah, and any, let, let me put it this way. Any wallet developer who is competent enough that you should be even considering using their software, um, they'll, they'll build into the UI like a warning or like a disconnect notification or things like that. Right. So my experience with Umbro, um, yeah, people kept saying, test out Umbra LP. It's really easy. It's click and go. And it kind of was 95% easy. Yeah. I had the Raspberry Pi here. I had a couple of extra bits I had to buy. Bought a case. Well, actually, my son built it, <laughs> which was cool. Um, but we built it, connected it, started syncing the blockchain. And then every after every every hour of running it, it would stop syncing. And then I would disconnect it, turn it off, turn it back on, it would do it again. That to me is just a fail. Um, I know there's lots of people out there who keep digging and keep trying. They're, they're the kind of people who tinker, right? But I'm not the kind of guy who fixes. Well, it. I mean, I, so I was going to say, I'm in, not, in fairness, I'm not the kind of, it's it's a, it's a new project. It's it's kind of in beta still, but but yeah, I, I get your point. But but I'm just, what I'm saying is, for me, this is where people. I'm sure some people listening will tweet me or email me and call me a dick for this. But like, I tried and I couldn't get it to work. And look, I can speak to the guys at Umbra and they'll help me, which is fine, but I'm in that fortunate position. Like if I wasn't, it felt it just didn't work enough for me to go, I can't be bothered with this. I'm just gonna go back to my hardware wallet. Um but but I know that's wrong. I know I need to keep trying with this. So this is where you're gonna now set me my homework and we're gonna split off on the show now. You're gonna give me 24 hours. I'm gonna go and do what but I'm gonna figure it out. I'm not gonna have you talk me through it. I'm going to figure it out. And if I get stuck, we're going to come back on. I'm going to tell you the problems I have. But we're going to like live fix this. But am I, am I thinking that you want me to, to get a hardware wallet, Spectre, and connect it up to Core? Yep, that is pretty much my, my devious plan here. Okay. <laughs> and with that, let me ask you a couple of things. Should I get a separate unused laptop, like one of my old ones? Should I blank that and start with that? I mean, I think it'd probably be simpler just so you're not um, thrashing the hell out of the CPU on the computer you use every day. 
Okay. In terms of privacy, when I set up that laptop, is there anything I need to install on there before I start, you know, before I download Core or Spectre or any of that stuff? Well, I mean, really, the autist in me is saying go install Tor and hook Core up to Tor. Um, but I'm betting you might find a lot of fringe problems with that. But um, when you say Tor, like, like honestly, just download it, the browser. We'll see. That's kind of the <laughs> tell me. Tell me. Tell um, I'll, I'll, I'll have Yeah. One. Yeah, um, you could do that, but that would be a weird thing where you always have to have the Tor browser open for Tor to be running um, instead of just installing. So Tor when you say download Tor, so I didn't see. I didn't even know there's a Tor without the browser. My assumption is Tor is just a browser. So Tor without Tor is something, and then Tor have a browser themselves that uses Tor. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what is Tor? Um, it's just a, a onion routed mix network. So pretty much the internet, you have your IP address, you shoot something to a different IP address and it shoots back and a whole bunch of people in the middle can see all kinds of things. Um, Tor is just imagine everybody ran something like a node and all that did was add them to a list. And then instead of just sending, you know, whatever data I'm sending where I'm going to send it, um, what I do is I look at that list and I pick a bunch of people and then I onion encrypt that message to hop through them before it goes to where it's going, kind of like how the Lightning Network works. So, like, you you know, um, that's pretty much I give it to the first guy and he sends it to the second after he encrypts it and so on. And all anybody knows is the guy right before and the guy right after. No, nobody at, like nobody except the person I initially send it to has any clue where that came from. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna wipe a laptop. I'm gonna download Tor and install it, and then gonna download uh, Core and sync the blockchain, and then gonna download Spectre and I'm gonna connect Spectre to core and then i'm going to connect my hardware to spe- hardware wallet to spectre correct mundo right so that's my homework okay i'm going to get on with this i'm going to say give me 24 48 hours and then i'm going to come back and tell you how i've done i might ping you some questions in between but i'm going to see if i can do all of this um do you know what? Send me um send me a Bitcoin address and I'm gonna try and send you a hundred dollars of Bitcoin through this. So you're either gonna get a message from me saying, look, I need your help, Shinobi, or you're gonna get a hundred dollars of Bitcoin. <laughs> you're gonna probably have to send that back to me to see if mine works the other end. <laughs> All right. I, I am game for the meme. <laughs> right. Listen, I think that's a good that's a good place for me to go off and try this. Um Leave it with me, and uh, let's get back in touch in uh, tomorrow and see how I'm getting on. Hey, sounds good to me. All right, so after recording this a few days ago with Shinobi, my plan was to get my node set up in time to record the second part, so it was all released as one show. I've given up on the idea of a pie. And listen, look, I know some of you would be like, oh, you should have stuck with it. You could have got some help. But listen, I want to try and figure out a way that's easy. I don't need, well, I don't want to do it with people getting on the phone and explaining things to me because I want this to be something that's useful for the people who listen to my show. And listen, I know some of you people think be more patient or be harder working. I, I know the people who listen to this show and it's a range, but I also read all the emails are coming from listeners. You should see some of the questions I get. They're so basic. I'm telling you right now, a lot of these people are going to struggle with the idea of setting up a node on a Raspberry Pi. And some of you think it's easy. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe I'll have another go after that. But I have gone with a different solution. I've got myself a Mac Mini and I've synced the blockchain. It's only finished today though on Sunday. I've got to go through the process of trying to set up Tor and integrate something I'm already having struggle with. I've been using command line, which is hilarious. Um, But once that's done, I'm going to be trying to integrate with Spectre and going to try and integrate with Cold Card and have a play with that. Now, I know 
this is going to take a little bit longer. So what I'm going to do is once that's done, I'm probably going to then get Shinobi back on, talk about my experience, talk about the difficulties I had. I might even try and get Ben Kaufman on from Spectre Wallet, see if I can get the two of them to talk through it. Anyway, I hope you found this useful. If you are thinking set up a node, please go out and do it. Try, trial and error, try different ideas, try different solutions. There's plenty of stuff out there. Stefan Levera's got his ministry of nodes, which is quite helpful as well. But And also, let me know how you get on. Like, if you found it easy, if you're non-technical and you found it easy, let me know. And if you are found it difficult, let me know. It would be really good to get the feedback, So I think it's important to share these out there. Anyway, if you've got any questions, it's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. If you want to support the show, then please do head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. Those reviews are helpful. They help me get found in the search listings when people are searching for Bitcoin in the podcast apps. And outside of that, please go and check out Defiance. There's a couple of shows up there. Go and check out Hacking the Brain. It's a really cool show that's produced by Edwina Stott. And also we've got the trailer for our new miniseries, which is dropping soon, called Everyone Loves Britney. And it's about Britney Spears, but really it's a story of conservatorship. And it's quite an interesting story. So go and check that out. Also, sign up to my newsletter. That's at neveredit.com. That's your daily dose of Bitcoin and tech and macro. All right, have a great rest of your weekend. I love you all, and I'll see you all next week.